folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here along with now ESPN Cleveland's Danny Cunningham, my former co-worker here in Minnesota, a man with perspective on both the Cleveland Browns, who the Vikings will play at U.S. Bank Stadium, who are we, we are going to discuss, and the Minnesota Vikings. He once actually hosted a reaction show to Vikings games. What is up, Danny? How's it going, Matthew, man? Good to talk to you. I'm doing okay. I mean, it's May, so we were talking about our golf games, and that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I have remembered how to drive. I've remembered how to hit a six iron. I have not yet remembered how to chip or putt. So You'll everything's no, I won't. No, you will. I have faith in you. I have faith in you. You're a hard worker. You'll do it. I don't think you and I ever got a chance to play. And uh, I do work hard on certain things, but chipping and putting are not really either one of those. So <laughs> I, I am, I am 100% the person who goes to the driving range and hits every single ball with my driver. And then I'm like, good. So then today I played 18 holes, didn't lose a single golf ball and still only shot in the nineties. So that tells you everything about the game around the green. It could be worse. You could have shot in the hundreds still. So you're making progress. Oh, that is a good point. That's a good point. So let's talk about uh, the Cleveland Browns and Minnesota Vikings in week four, because this game is, I think, a big swing game for the Vikings season. It's they go on the road to start the year for a couple games. They come back. They play Seattle. Seattle is always tough. And it was really interesting to me, Danny, that the Cleveland Browns are favored in Minnesota, which you know, think about this sentence, Danny. I mean, th- like as, as someone yourself who has followed the Cleveland Browns for your entire life, you are looking at now Vegas believing that your squad in the Cleveland Browns are actually good. Not like a pop-up last year. Whoa, Kevin Stefanski knows what he's doing. This is cool. Actually good. What is it like to have expectations set upon your Cleveland Browns, Danny? It's different for one thing. Uh, I mean, it's something that the city's not used to. This fan base isn't used to. There are certain people that, you know, they are diehard Cleveland Browns fans. And if you ask them to give a schedule prediction, they'll say, you know, 10 and seven or 11 and six, because they're scared to be optimistic still that, you know, the other shoe's going to drop at some point, that this isn't real life, that the Browns aren't a team that just won a road playoff game last year. 
that they're scared that something wrong is going to happen because it always has happened in this city. And to your point about the Browns being favored in Minnesota in week four, it's not just that. I saw early lines earlier today for every game on the NFL season. I'm not sure if they're from the same place that you saw your lines, but the Browns were underdogs in Kansas City week one and in Baltimore on Sunday night football, I believe in week 12. There were also two pick'em games. And other than that, they're favored in 13 of their 17 games. And I can't say this for sure, but I'm going to say that has never happened in Cleveland Browns history. Uh, no, at least not recent Cleveland Browns history. Maybe when Bill Belichick was last the coach. And, and if I remember, they were, went into the 95 season, the one where everything fell apart and they, they moved and so forth. They went into that season as a Super Bowl contender, but it all just came apart at the seams when everyone learned the team was leaving and it was a giant distraction and so forth. But the year before they had been really good and they were thought as a team on the rise that was supposed to be really good. The last time, I mean, Derek Anderson got a 10 win season, but I'm not sure that anyone went, oh, yeah, well, they're just about to take over the league, especially because Pittsburgh was still very strong at that time. So I could see why Cleveland Browns fans would be skeptical. And I guess this circles to Kevin Stefanski and what he did last year. Now, I think he's probably got a bad taste in his mouth from the way the playoff game ended with um, Chad Henney running for a first down against the Browns and not giving another chance to Baker Mayfield. But how are people in Cleveland viewing Kevin Stefanski? We know about him here that he did an excellent job working with Kirk Cousins and was a longtime part of the Vikings. But are people skeptical that he can continue this? Or do they think, wow, we've got our new Marty Schottenheimer or something? I don't think anyone here is skeptical. And I understand it's only been one year. Granted, it was a great year. And people here feel like they had been wandering through the desert, not just for, you know, the franchise quarterback, which is the big story, but also a legitimate head coach because it doesn't get talked about quite as much, but there was quite a carousel there for the Cleveland Browns too. And it feels like they finally found that guy. And whether or not Kevin Stefanski goes down as someone that's going to end up in the Hall of Fame or win multiple Super Bowls or whatever, that doesn't necessarily all matter right now because he's competent. And that's something that has lacked from the head coaching spot of the Cleveland Browns forever. So as long as you have competence there, people here are going to be happy for at least the next couple of years. And then, you know, if they don't eventually get over the hump, you're going to see people that get upset and understandably so. But for right now, it's hard to find anybody that's skeptical of Stefanski, what he did in year one and, and that he can't repeat it moving forward. So does it feel like you're set for a long time or does it feel like, wow, this could be our year? Because I think that fans and franchises and owners, they think the windows are much bigger than they are. And oftentimes what we see is sort of an LA Rams type of thing where you get a year or two years with your quarterback on his rookie contract. And now B Baker Mayfield is coming to the end of his rookie contract. And we see what a difference that makes with Jared Goff uh, or even Jimmy Garoppolo, who is not on a rookie contract. When those cap hits start to go up, it's harder to keep the roster together. You witnessed that when you were here in Minnesota with the roster coming apart. So um, is it viewed as sort of a dire season for the Browns? Like this is, this is your shot or is it more of, okay, you know, we should be set at quarterback and coach for a long time. I think that there's a mix of those two things. Um, I don't think anyone necessarily thinks, Oh, if the Browns don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's never going to happen. 
Um, you're going to find more people that view it as a two-year window starting now. Last year was a little unexpected. People thought the Browns would be better than the 6-10 and 10 they were the year before, but no one picked them to go 11-5 and five and win a road playoff game. That just was not a popular pick prior to the season. Now it's, okay, this team has a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl, and the team next year also should have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. And then, as you mentioned, Baker Mayfield's no longer on a rookie contract. The roster's going to look different. You know, you're also playing – paying Miles Garrett a bunch of money. You have roster decisions to be made on guys like Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward and Wyatt Teller, who are all key cogs to the Browns being a successful team. So it, it certainly feels like if it doesn't happen in 2022, 2023 needs to be the year. So it's not, you know, this season or bust. It's one of these next two seasons. The Browns need to show that they can go out and win a Super Bowl. Now, I think they took full advantage of this offseason in the cap space that you are allowed when you have someone like Baker Mayfield. And I think that Vikings fans probably look at that game and say, I don't know, Cleveland, you were just kind of a good team last year, but not a Kansas City level, not a 15 and one or 14 and two type team, which very few teams are. But when they look at U.S. Bank Stadium, Baker Mayfield is not considered widely to be an elite quarterback. But I think what they've done around him, especially on the defensive side, too, because last year the uh, defense for the Browns was not that much better than it was for the Vikings. But adding John Johnson, adding Troy Hill, these are not big names, but I, I think that well, Jadavian Clowney is. But I think the additions on the defense, they sort of demonstrate what the benefits are when you have this quarterback on a rookie contract, because you could say our team really has this one weakness. So here's three guys that we can sign who will all play huge roles on that side of the ball. Yeah. I think that last year, the Browns defense, they had a good front four. you know, Miles Garrett was a good player. Olivier Vernon had a good season, especially a, a good second half of the season. Sheldon Richardson, old Vikings friend had a good season. Larry Ogunjobi was good on the defensive line, but the linebacking play was atrocious and the back four was terrible. You were, I mean, Andrew Sandejo, another old Vikings friend, played a significant role in the back end. And if that's happening in 2020, you're not going to have a good secondary. So, yeah, John Johnson III and Troy Hill aren't, you know, superstar names that are going to light up every room, but they're at least good NFL players. And that's going to make, I think, at least the world of difference in the back end of that defense that, you know, they're not going to come out and be a historic level defense. They're not going to be the, the 49ers from a couple years ago or the Ravens from 2001, but as long as they're competent on that side of the ball, we saw how good this offense can be last year and they're losing zero players from that side of the football. There's no reason to think that they won't be an improved team just because the defense is going to be better in the worst case scenario. They're a better defense than they were last year. Let's talk about Baker for a minute here. Uh, I think Baker and Kirk Cousins have a lot of similarities. I think Baker is sort of like personality wise, someone that more people would gravitate to necessarily than Kirk Cousins as a teammate, as a leader. He has more spunk to him. He uh, maybe doesn't do this anymore, but would fight people on Twitter. He's like very much of a <laughs> like like a Gen Z quarterback as opposed to Kirk Cousins, who's a very sort of buttoned up adult quarterback. Um so I wonder about with Mayfield, they have similar skill sets. They are both accurate when they could throw off a good platform. They both really rely on play action and, and a good running game. Nick Chubb is one of the best in the league. So how good 
is Baker Mayfield. I mean, his, his numbers last year were solid, but they also played some really terrible weather games that I think hurt his overall statistics, but he had the highest quarterback rating, I believe in Cleveland Browns history for a full season, which is a low bar, low bar, but I thought I would throw that in there. Um, But is, is there, is he looked at as, okay, this is our next Bernie Kosar. Like this is the guy we've been waiting for, or is it, we're not really sure if he is the one that can take us farther because he did play really well in the playoffs last year in those two games and sort of showed more moxie than maybe even people thought on the road in Kansas city. But I think that there's still reason to look at him and say, he's kind of closer to the middle than he is to the top. I, I can see where you're coming from. And I think we're going to find out a lot about that this year, because if you look at Baker's NFL career, he's not been in the same offensive system for back-to-back years yet. And he's going into year four last year was his third system in his third year. If you go back to his rookie year, Hugh Jackson was in charge calling the plays. And then the Freddie kitchens disaster in his second season. And then last year we saw what he looked like once he, you know, felt like he had the system down and felt like everything was under, under control. And I think it probably, took a little longer last year because you know we were in a pandemic there was no the training camp was different there was no preseason it took a a greater amount of time for everyone to get on the same page than I think it would have in a normal year so I personally do think that he's better he's closer to elite than average I'm not calling him elite but I think he's going to end up at least in the the good to very good caliber of quarterback I think that that's going to be seen this year. I think that him and Stefanski is going to be a good pairing that should be around for quite some time in Cleveland, provided that, you know, contractually everything can be worked out between Baker and the Browns with him being extension eligible now. So last year, PFF had him as the 13th best quarterback. And I think in PFF's article ranking all the quarterbacks for this year, he was somewhere in that same ballpark. I believe he was 10th. 10th. Okay. Would you have him there? Like if you were picking all the quarterbacks for the next five years, not just for right now, like where would you draft Baker Mayfield if you were doing that? I think around 10 is the right place because you do have to think, you know, some of the guys that are better than him over at this time over the next five years, it's kind of preposterous to think that they still will be like, I know Tom Brady is still doing incredible things at 43 or 44 or whatever, but if Tom Brady is doing these incredible things at 48 and 49, I will give you a hundred dollars. Like if he is still better than Baker Mayfield in five years, I will Venmo you a hundred dollars because I just, I don't want to be the guy that doubts him, but I cannot fathom that happening. So like some of those guys, like Aaron Rodgers is another one in five years. What's he going to be doing? Is he going to be a guy that's playing this year or does he want to go host Jeopardy? Those are the types of questions that you have to ask. So I think that, you know, right around 10 is probably the right spot for him. And it, again, it depends on a lot of unproven guys too, that could potentially be better than him or could not be better than him. If you look at Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow is going to be a question mark coming off that gruesome knee injury last year. So those things all have to be factored in, but you know, I think he probably belongs in the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 range. Do you like him? Like, do I you, do. Do you like his personality? I do. Um, he, uh, I, I was having this conversation in part because at work for me, we had Jim McMahon in studio the other day and Baker kind of has some Jim McMahon in him personality wise, where he's got that. He's, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but no one's going to stand up to him. No one's going to make him look smaller than he is. And if that makes sense, he, he just, he's not going to be pushed around. And I think that I certainly appreciate that. And to compare and contrast him to Kirk cousins, as you mentioned earlier, there are things on the field that they do similarly. 
but I don't think they could be more different people off the field. And I think that that at that position definitely matters. And for Baker, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a a very tough line to walk. And uh, Jim McMahon is the all time example of someone who walked this line really well of being extremely cocky and sort of in your face. And, uh, Jim McMahon wore the Pete Rosell headband because he got fined for wearing a headband that wasn't NFL approved or whatever. So like things like that, that Jim McMahon did just a certified badass out there who always found a way to win. And with Baker, it's just been this like in, you know, back and forth of when he plays really well early in his career, it's, Oh yeah. His cocky attitude is great. And then when he sort of slips off, then it's, Oh, this guy's got all these commercials, huh? You know, like, Oh, this he, and he was kind of a whiner sometimes. Sure, sure. It seemed like it took him a couple of years to understand that dude, like people are going to criticize you when you are in national football league starting quarterback. And if you hear all of that stuff, it's that it doesn't make your job easier. And I thought last year and winning helps this, of course, but I thought last year, everyone tried to bait him into it. I remember after a win on, I think whatever Thursday night football, you know, the interviewers are trying to be like, Oh, did you show all the haters or whatever? He's just like, I'm not even going to go there anymore. So I think showing that maturation from kind of who he was in college to early in the NFL has been a big deal for him. Yeah. And I think that that second year where the Browns were expected to be a team that they, they were the team that had the largest hype train around them in the NFL after trading for Odell, you know, hiring Freddie kitchens as head coach. I think Baker was served a pretty large slice of humble pie. And I think that you could see that and it probably sped up his maturation process. It was something that was painful to watch as a Browns fan, but I think it was necessary for the team to go through to get to where they had to be. Um, So because of that, I think that he has learned how to walk that line, certainly better than the way he did earlier in his career. You know, you're still going to see him on TV. He's still going to have commercials in part because he is a polarizing figure. You know, if he weren't, you wouldn't have brought it up. It, it's that type of thing. And in fairness, the the Hulu commercials and the progressive commercials, I think they're actually pretty good commercials, too. If we're being honest, they're they're not bad. I've seen worse with athletes. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them, Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still 
will have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights, and every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. I only pay attention to the commercials on this podcast, not usually on TV. So I haven't focused closely. Fair on enough. Um, let me ask you a funny question about Baker. Just like, is there any quarterback in Brown's history outside of Bernie Kosar, who you would swap with Baker Mayfield if you were trying to win a Super Bowl this year? Like Kosar, of course. And, and I hope that you as a Browns guy have gone back and watched some Kozar because sure. he had this, he had the most ridiculous throwing motion. And sometimes I feel like I'm very much dating myself, but it's sort of super funny to watch now. You're like, this guy's one of the best quarterbacks ever when he, when you first watch him throw the ball, but he was a baller. He was good. It, it's kind of um, like Philip. It, it was kind of like watching Philip rivers. Yes. In sense. Like, yes. I, I equate Bernie Kozar to Philip rivers. I think that, you know, those two have very similar career arcs. Bernie Kozar just has less children. <laughs> we all have less children, but uh, than other than Bernie, I, mean, I don't, I don't think so. Like one year of Brian Sype, but I don't think there's anybody who you would trade for Baker, which is kind of like I mean, sad and good at the same time for you. I think you could make the argument about Tim couch that if Tim couch were in Baker's situation now, um, it would look much different than Tim couch's career played out to be. And it's, you know, I'm not saying it's something I would do, but it's something I would be curious just to see how it looked. And I think that, you know, of all the Browns quarterbacks, that's the one that you can kind of play the what if game about. I've showed you before, right? My Tim Couch. Oh, yes. Was, yes. It, it does exist. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. You are a diehard Browns fan. No, that's not the case. But I was <laughs> I was all in on them coming back. I was, I think, 12 years old when they came back. I was so excited about it. And I remember as a kid, because we didn't have cable, and I think their first game was on it would have been, I think, Sunday night football, but it wasn't on NBC at that time. So I listened to the game on the radio of or of, let's see, Ty Detmer and the Cleveland Browns in their first game get demolished by Pittsburgh. And I think Tim Couch came in the game in the second half. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was over kind of. I mean, that was kind of dragged out actually with Tim couch where it was sort of, this is going to be his year. And then it wasn't. Um, but it, it's, you know, what's kind of interesting about this, Danny is that Vikings fans are afraid of moving on from Kirk cousins. Not all of them, of course, but there are many, I should say, there are many that I hear from who say like, look, if we have a 10 and seven season, that's pretty good. That's a lot of excitement. It gives us a chance to get in the playoffs. And then there's another group that says, look, if we had to go through what the Cleveland Browns went through for years of being bad, which you guys are excessive, but like several, let's just say several years of being really bad to get your quarterback. Who's this good as Baker Mayfield, who gives you a chance to build a roster like this. A lot of people would take that option along with the risk that it could be bad for several years. And I don't mean two whole decades, but it's a really interesting discussion because here you are now, like you wouldn't take all of it along the way to be here now, but I think you would take like the last what five years, 10 years to be in a position where you could truly compete for a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think everything that happened from the night that they drafted Johnny Manziel on until now to get to this point was worth it. 
I think I'm, I'm confident in saying that, you know, I didn't need to suffer through Browns fandom for my entire life to get to this point necessarily, because that's what it's been. But from the point when they drafted Johnny Manziel in 2014 until now, if all of those things had to happen for the Browns to end up with, you know, Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb and Kevin Stefanski's head coach, I would do all that over again. And I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah. That, that's an interesting discussion for, for Vikings fans is would you trade the Mike Zimmer era to be the Cleveland Browns right now? Like, would you trade all of it, including, I guess the one season where they were close. Um, and, uh, you can read my book on it. It's on my Twitter, by the way. Uh, but, uh, or amazon.com just type in making of a miracle, but would you trade the whole Mike Zimmer era to be the Cleveland Browns right now? And I think that that it takes some thinking about because there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of great moments for the Vikings throughout. I mean, the win against new Orleans in the playoffs was really fun. The sort of like last year with Cleveland's win over Pittsburgh, the 2017 season is irreplaceable. It was an incredible year for everyone. Case Keenum, the whole run, but you, you already know the results that you didn't win the Super Bowl. And I think if I told you that you had to be bad through that entire time, like no, no playoffs the whole time to have one shot where your team might be good enough and is favored in all, but four games or something. I think a lot of people would trade that. And I think that's another way to sort of think about the way that they're viewing this Kirk Cousins situation. Um, so anyway, let me ask you about uh, Odell Beckham and like, what's his deal? Because uh, last year around this time, there were rumors that the Vikings were interested in trading for him, which turned out to be just, I guess, not true. Um but I also thought when he went down last year, it was a difference. I cannot stand Danny when people will say about a star player, huh, they're going to be better without him. Just watch. They never are. Nope. Never. No. Almost never. Never happens. Nope. So I think that the timing of his injury was very unfortunate for the Browns. And, and for that, you know, that argument that people can make is, oh, the Browns were better without Odell. You know, Baker is a better quarterback when Odell is not on the field. And I understand that the numbers in part do tell that story. But I also think that this relates back to an answer I gave you earlier where the Browns didn't have a normal training camp last year. The Browns right. didn't have a preseason last year. The Browns had their third offensive system in three years being installed last year. No matter who the wide receivers for Baker Mayfield were, he could have had Randy Moss in his prime on one side and Chris Carter in his side on the other, on the other side. They weren't going to look good to start the season. They just weren't ready to. It was going to take an adjustment period. It was going to take five, six, seven weeks before things were going to click. It didn't matter who it was. And I think that the timing of Beckham's injury kind of – showed that off in a sense because I thought that heading into that game that was a time the Browns were ready to take off and you even saw it you saw flashes of it in certain weeks like if you remember the game against Dallas where they scored 48 points on the Cowboys and won a shootout against Dak Prescott before he injured his ankle and Odell had three touchdowns in that game like he was a part of winning football prior to getting injured it just so happened that everything started to click around the time he got hurt and you know it's not Odell's fault that that happened and I don't think it's Odell's fault that they didn't click before he got hurt I think it's just it is a a truly a victim of circumstance argument it really is but he's also not he's not great anymore right like he's he's good but he's not great he's not I don't think he's a true number one wide receiver anymore which is something that now the Browns have really they have two number two wide receivers and I think that they have a couple of nice 
complementary pieces in the, at that position as well. Like Jarvis Landry is a, a number two wide receiver. He's someone that Baker has a ton of trust in and should have a ton of trust in for what he's done in Cleveland while Baker's been here. And I think that, you know, maybe a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a sixth round draft pick last year, and once he got on the field, showed some really good things in, in spurts, he could be a guy that contributes. How, uh, Richard Hollywood Higgins, another guy that's going to contribute. You can't be called Hollywood Higgins if you haven't even contributed yet, right? Why is it called Hollywood? He has contributed, though. Like, come on, though. I mean, not to to that standard, but Hollywood was the leading receiver on the team that gave the Browns fans hope when they went seven, eight, and one. It was him and Jarvis Landry. They didn't have the other receiver on that team was Brashard Perriman. Like there was just not a ton of talent out there. He's kind of been the guy that's stuck around and has kind of become a fan favorite that he's not super flashy despite the nickname Hollywood. Like he, he's not a burner on the outside. He's just kind of a possession receiver that has built kind of this rapport with Baker Mayfield and has been able to get the job done over and over again. They're just missing, you know, what they thought they were getting when they traded for Odell Beckham Jr. What Julio Jones is, what true number one wide receivers are. That's what they're missing. So explain this nickname to me. I do not understand this nickname. The guy is from Texas. He went to Colorado State. He was a fifth round draft pick. Like what, what exactly, if, if he was from LA, I could see how someone would be like, hey, Hollywood Higgins. But like, I see no reason. This man has a career high of 39 receptions. Like what? is Hollywood about Hollywood Higgins. I don't even entirely know other than the fact that when he does score a touchdown, he rolls out the red carpet and there's a photo shoot as his celebration, okay. which I do think is a, good. It's, like it's, it. it's a good celebration. And it probably would have been flagged five years ago. And if you do something consistently that would have been flagged five years ago as your celebration, I'm a fan of it. Um, so I, it, it is a good celebration. That's certainly the most Hollywood thing about him though. Yes. Mm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking over his wiki trying to find any, there's reason. not much there. No, but I mean, he was really good in college, but Hollywood, I, I think it, it's just the same thing with like Hollywood Brown from, uh, like for, you know, he went to Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, he went to Oklahoma. Yeah. Like what, what's Hollywood about Oklahoma? I, I, I don't know. I, are we just looking at things and calling them Hollywood or what? I have no idea. Anyway, uh, I, I will, I will move on from that. So when you went through, you took out your little golf pencil and uh, you got your schedule, you printed it out you started writing little W's and L's. What'd you end up with for the Brown the, schedule? The time I did it optimistically, I ended up at 14 and three. The time Whoa. I did it a little oh. bit pessimistically, I ended up at 11 and six. Um, I think that there's a few toss-up games. In my optimistic scenario, I had Aaron Rodgers retiring and going to host, <laughs> going to host Jeopardy yeah. because the Browns do play the Packers this year. They also sure. play the Broncos and the Raiders, who are the two teams that are widely speculated as the teams that could trade for Aaron Rodgers. And I had the Browns beating all three of them because Drew Locke is one quarterback or Teddy Bridgewater. You know, Derek Carr's the other quarterback and Jordan Love's the third quarterback. So I thought that all three of those were wins if none of those quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers. Now, if Aaron Rodgers is playing in one of those games, that certainly might change. Right, um, right, right. I, I did a couple different versions and one was very good. And I think both of them are playoff results. What'd you write in for uh, Vikings Browns? I had that as a win. Um, I think that the Browns defense is going to be better. And I just 
I don't think that the Vikings are young enough anymore. I, I think that that defense, as we just we continue to see it get older and older, it needs to reload at some point. I just don't think it's going to be good enough yet. Um, I'm excited to see Dalvin Cook. I'm excited to see if the Browns can stop Dalvin Cook in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. But I think that ultimately the Browns are going to be the team with the better defense that day, and mm-hmm. they're going to be able to score points too. I think uh, what's weird about it is we would never preview a game saying normally comes down to the running games, but Nick Chubb versus Dalvin Cook will be a great matchup for that one. Kevin Stefanski versus Mike Zimmer. They know each other extremely well. I love this game. Like this is one of my, it's easily my favorite early game. I'm, sure. I'm sort of exhausted of Seattle. Like every year they play Seattle. I know it's at home and not away this time, but it's always Seattle. So Cleveland is different. That's a team that I have never as a, Vikings reporter covered a Vikings Cleveland Browns game. So I'm stunned. Um, you didn't get to go overseas last time they played. That's right. That's right. I was thinking like they must be, they must've played everyone by now over the last five years, but that's right. And that game was miserable. Oh, it was terrible. Like, yeah. Awful. Awful. That it was, was a, raining. Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. Crazy. Yes. I remember he scored a rushing touchdown and ran down the sideline, like waving his arm as a celebration. And I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I couldn't. Yeah. I, even though I wrote the book, which you can get on Amazon, uh, on that 2017 season, I think that's probably the shortest I spent on anyone in the games. Like, yeah, they went to Europe. I don't know. Something happened. Uh, they left with a win. I, it was ugly. The Vikings, I think were losing at half to Deshaun Kaiser. So that was a weird one, They uh, might have right. been, but everyone was winning at the end of the game against the Browns that year. Yeah, that's, that's all that mattered. That is very true. So I've got a game for you before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, I wrote down a bunch of facts and you have to tell me whether it's the Browns or the Vikings, whether this will be are fun. The Browns or the Vikings. Okay. So uh, both of the uh, Vikings and Browns have had the same passing leader over the last three years, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. Which one of these teams did not have the same passing leader for three years in a row since 2002? Ooh. A lot of That's turnover for both of for these both of them, yeah. I, I know Minnesota doesn't get, you know, the – the attention in terms of just the quarterback rollover that they have compared to Cleveland, but it, it hasn't exactly been, it hasn't been the prettiest of journeys there either. I know the Browns history and it's been bad. I'm trying to think of when they would have had three consecutive years, even going back to the couch years. Um, I think Kelly Holcomb led in one of those years after Tim couch broke his leg. Um, so I'm going to have to say the Vikings, but I feel like this is a trick question. It's a little bit of a trick question, but not really because it's very close. The answer is the Browns, but only by two years. So the, the Browns last had three in a row with Tim couch, 2002 being the final year, the Vikings last had three in a row of the same quarterback leading and passing in 2004 with Dante Culpepper. So oh, okay. it was very close, which is why I liked it. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? 
They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Uh, which team most recently won two playoff games in the same year? So not just like a not just like a wild card win and then you lose, but two playoff games. Well, so, I know I know in 2017 the Vikings only won one because they they had a first round buy way back when we had two first round buys per conference. Um, the Browns have won one in my entire lifetime. Um, but I feel like it's the Browns because even back in 98, when the Vikings didn't make it to the Super Bowl, they were the one seed. And that means they only had to win one game to get to the NFC championship game. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's the Browns back in shoot 87. Was it or 88? So you're barking up the right tree, but you're not right. Uh, So yes, the Browns went to two championship games, but it was the same deal where they only had to win one playoff game. It was the Vikings in 1987, which was an intersection of the Vikings and Browns um, travesties of sport in 1987, because the Ernest Biner, I think the Ernest Biner fumble was in 87 against the Broncos. And then the Vikings uh, also had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, lost to Washington on a pass that was dropped. So these things happen to these franchises. Uh, which team has more 4,000 yard passers in? Now, does this question count? Like if the same guy has thrown for more than 4,000 yards, more than once, like it, does that count as one or does that count as multiple? Like, are we talking seasons or quarterbacks? Uh, just, well, just quarterbacks. Okay. Um, I'm still going to say the Vikings because the Browns quarterbacks have been terrible. The Browns have one quarterback one time to ever yeah. throw for 4,000 yards. So yes, Kirk Cousins uh, has done it three times since he's been here. Dante Culpepper did it. Uh, I think did yeah. Randall Cunningham must have cleared 4,000. I, I have yards to yet. imagine. He did. Uh, I don't have that right in front of me, but he must have. So yeah, yeah, easily that one was to make fun of you. <laughs> Which team had more interceptions on defense last year? Vikings or Browns? I think this was the Browns the, for all the warts the Browns defense had, they actually created a solid number of turnovers, which is the only thing that kind of kept that side of the football afloat because they couldn't force anyone to punt. Um, but they did have a, a solid number of interceptions. And especially if you include the five that they forced Ben Roethlisberger into in the playoffs. Okay. I was not counting that. This is actually the Vikings. Um, Let me, let me get the number here. The Vikings had 15 interceptions last year, which sort of tells you just how bad the defense was like to still finish 29th in scoring when you were 11th in interceptions. That's, that's not great. So the Browns had 11, the Vikings had 15. Okay. So if you do add the, uh, if you do add the five more in technically I can escape with, you know, a partially correct answer there. Uh, no, no, you can't. Oh, come on. Uh, which one of these teams once had its coach say that they were not going to use the colored pants. So they were only going to go with white pants because they quote, weren't well received and think of the color of these two teams pants. We have Brown and purple. Okay, they said weren't well received and that this head coach thought one day 
the team could wear fruit on their heads. That was the quote. And no one would notice because they were so good. That was the hope. I think this is the Vikings because I don't know that the Browns pants have really ever been an issue. People here love the orange pants. Um, and even the Browns, the Brown pants are like, I know they went through a stretch where they wore white pants pretty exclusively. Um, but I also know the the Vikings haven't worn purple pants a ton either. Um, they have recently they on the road, they wear the purple pants, but, but was it prior to this year? Oh, uh, yes, recently, but like going back historically, they wore white pants a lot yeah, on the road. I, I'm so, going to say the Vikings because the, the orange pants bring back good memories for the Browns fans as, you know, difficult as those can be to find at times. That's incorrect. It was the Browns. It was Eric Mangini said that they weren't well received for the brown pants, which I mean, look, brown pants. I don't know. Uh but I, I just thought that was great because like, these are two colors that you wouldn't necessarily wear as pants generally. No, never. Honestly. Um, I don't own purple pants. I don't own brown pants unless you count like khaki as brown or whatever, if you no. want to put it at that point in the color spectrum, but yeah, no, that's I khaki. Own, that's, yeah, that's I don't own, brown. I don't own those shade of pants. I do have a pair of pants that would really edge on a brown but I, you know, they're, they're nice pants. So screw you. I, I, I think they would be well, well received if you wore them. They would. Uh, you've probably seen me wear them like in wintertime. They have lining under them. So, you know, on the inside to keep me warm. It does uh, get cold in Minnesota. Two more. I've heard that. Which team uh, had its coach come out of retirement in 1984 because his replacement was so terrible? Like the re- there was a coach and then he retired and then another coach came in, but was so terrible. The, the other coach came out of retirement. Uh, 84 would have been the Schottenheimer years if I'm, or no, no. What's it? I'm going to say the Vikings here because I feel like I should know this if, the, if it's the Browns and I don't. So I might just be wrong and way off base here, but I don't know this one. So I feel like it has to be the Vikings. Okay, it is the Vikings. That was Bud Grant, Les Steckel went three and 13. Bud Grant had to come out of retirement, but it was, it was a thing that could definitely happen. Well, I could see it happening, but it's also a thing. Like if that happened, I would have heard about it several times. It would be on the Mount Rushmore of embarrassing things with the franchise. Okay. Maybe not that high up because there've been a lot of embarrassing things, but it could be up there. Okay. Last one for you. Now I I'm a little vague on my description here because I needed to make it work. So this isn't all time leading score, but this is, team's best kicker ever so there could be some debate here but which team's best kicker ever has more field goals in their career vikings or browns or i guess i could put it as like a kicker that played for the vikings kicker that played for the browns which one has more career field goal makes i'm going to say the vikings because the browns best kicker ever although ever eh. Ever is probably Lou Groza. I'm thinking Phil Dawson as recently, um, who was a fantastic kicker. But because of the vagueness of your question, I feel like it's Minnesota. Okay, it is Minnesota. I know that that was I just needed to work a kicker into this equation. Of course, yes. Uh and, and Matt Stover has a case for best kicker ever, but Phil Dawson is seventh all time for field goal makes. Gary Anderson is third. Yeah. So I wanted to work that in. So there's your vikings versus browns history and i guess i guess this is a game that i could probably bring back with uh 
Vikings opponents for this year when I talk I to think opposing you media. I should. I should. So this is great, Danny. Uh, I know that you are doing well there in Cleveland now with ESPN Cleveland, and I love to see it. So I hope uh, you will have continued success. And we will do this again, man, before the Vikings play Cleveland, for sure, if not before that. And, you know, we need to bring back, if you're down, sometimes a little hot routes. Oh, hot routes routes. are the best. Oh, my goodness. I I can't believe that hot routes aren't a part of everything you do. They they are mostly in the off season, mostly. So uh, the best. And I even got Manny to cut a new big voice guy thing. So there's no better big voice guy than Manny Hill. Definitely not. So uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, people should follow you on Twitter. I think it's just Danny Cunningham. Real and, D Cunningham. They won't. Oh, the real. Danny, they won't give me oh. Danny Cunningham. It's real D Cunningham. Whoever has at Danny Cunningham got their account suspended, and Twitter still won't give it to me. Okay, it's been the, like that for years. The real D Cunningham then to uh, to track your comings and goings. So thanks for your time. Great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll talk again soon, man. Be good, Matthew.